0: Welcome back to another episode of my story, Living with Lupus. I'm your host, Susan Hendricks, and I'm glad that you could join me on this January the 11th, 2019. It's Friday. On today's Episode. It's going to be a two-part episode of the high rise in the opioid epidemic among patients who suffer from systemic lupus erythematosus. So, as usual, grab your cup of coffee, your cup of tea, And if you're listening later on in the evening, grab your favorite glass of wine and join me. The views and opinions expressed on my story, Living With Lupus podcast, are each individual's experience. By listening to this podcast or reading our blog, you agree not to use this podcast or blog as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. As always, consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. In the medical system, there exists A lack of oversight of pharmaceutical companies, deceptive marketing practices used by pharmaceutical companies, targeting doctors, a massive increase in opioid production and sales, and the industrialization and automation of the medical profession are all major factors that contribute to this epidemic. Boston, the former chief executive of Insys Therapeutics Incorporated is expected on Wednesday to plead guilty to participating in a scheme to pay doctor's bribes in exchange for prescribing an addictive opioid medication. Michael Babbage, who resigned as the Arizona based drug maker's CEO in 2015, is scheduled to appear in federal court in Boston and plead guilty to conspiracy and mail fraud charges, according to court papers. Prosecutors allege that from 2012 to 2015, Babbage and others conspired to bribe doctors in exchange for prescribing opioid medications. Prosecutors said they also defrauded insurers into paying for the pain treatment. Research states America is currently facing an unprecedented epidemic of opioid abuse. This epidemic is mainly due to the fact that for the past few decades, opioids have flooded onto America's streets. However, many of these drugs have not come from the shady hands of drug dealers, but rather from the trusted hands of medical professionals. Additionally, the sheer number of opioids involved in this epidemic is astounding, with most of them having come from the labs of pharmaceutical companies rather than the labs of drug traffickers. These drugs are on America's streets mainly due to the efforts of pharmaceutical companies promoting the liberal use of prescription opioids. Currently, there are 2.4 million Americans suffering from severe opioid use disorder. Additionally, opioid overdoses have substantially increased over the past decade. There exists a systemic problem underlying the opioid epidemic, and it all stems from the medical field. These problems have mainly come about due to the high number of prescription opioids handed out each year, Two hundred and. Seven million opioid prescriptions were handed out in 2013, while only 76 million were written in 1991. This shows that prescriptions for opioids have doubled within the past two decades. You don't have to worry about the drug dealer on the street. Your drug dealer is the doctors and the pharmaceutical companies. You know, in my opinion, 207 million opioid prescriptions were handed out In twenty thirteen, while only seventy six million were written in nineteen ninety one. That seventy six million, in my opinion, should have woke somebody up. A light bulb should have went off in someone's head, but no, it's all about making the money with some doctors. And I was getting ready to say some pharmaceutical companies, but uh uh-uh. Your pharmaceutical company is the main pusher. That's the main guy. And his runner, think about it, is the physician. Think about that scenario. Your main pusher, the head, of the drug cartel is the pharmaceutical company. And the boys who do the running for the pusher is the doctors. And nothing is not being done about this situation until now. It should have been something done back in 1991. But the greed is also real. entrepreneur, and creator of Right Side of 50, and I am my sister's keeper. Sheila Smith, Motivational and Empowerment Speaker, is available for your next empowerment event and conference. You can book her for your next event at rightsideof50 at gmail.com. That's R-I-G-H-T-S-I-D-E-O-F-5-0 at gmail.com or call at 678-293-6821. Each one encourage one. If you would like to appear on an episode of My Story Living with Lupus, you can contact us at mystorylivingwithlupus at gmail.com. Also visit us on our Instagram page and also our website, My Story Living with Lupus. All right, everybody, I'm here with a friend of mine whose identity has to be changed due to the work he does. So, I will be calling him DeWayne, and we're discussing the opioid epidemic that's going on now in the United States. DeWayne, how do you feel about the opioid epidemic, and where do you think it starts from?
1: Well, my knowledge of opioid and uh, different situations, crossing lines with people with opioid, my knowledge is that it's a medication for pain. And if you stay on it too long, it's a situation where it's hard to retrieve yourself from it. And as you continue to do opioid, you become addicted to it. And I think that's where a lot of time people get addicted to different pain medication if you stay on it too long. You have to make changes one way or the other.
0: Do you think it all starts with the pharmaceutical companies and physicians prescribing opioid painkillers?
1: well, uh you couldn't say it starts with the with the it starts with the whoever who is Prescribing it
0: so you believe it's the doctor.
1: Yeah, they prescribe it you get you go to get the medication Now the pharmacist is due to sell you the medication But if without a prescription you can't not get it So I would say it starts with the doctor the nurse or whoever writes out your prescription for that
0: but don't you feel also that the problem exists with the pharmaceutical companies who offer kickbacks to the physician to prescribe this medication to the patients.
1: I would say yes to that situation because that's how it gets started. And the more you get to get the prescription, the more money you make on both ends. It's a money situation.
0: So why do you think all of a sudden now that they, and I'm talking about the government, Wants to crack down on the opioid situation when we all know that pharmaceutical companies Are the backers of those in Washington So why now all of a sudden do you think it's because a family member of a congressman or a congresswoman um, Has become addicted to it And let's be for real Opioid situation has been around ever since I can remember from the 60s. You have the soccer moms taking pain pills for this, pain pills for that. But now all of a sudden, we have to crack down on it. But your biggest contributors in the government is pharmaceutical companies.
1: Well, when the government get involved, to me, my thinking is something has happened to where they're putting pressure on the government. And that's why they're trying to slow down or correct the opioid situation. Like it could be a family member that's been uh, addicted to opioids or some situation. And that's why the government is trying to clean up the mess that they've made. And I think they made a pretty good mess with it. That's my thinking.
0: Well, as you know, I have lupus, and you have seen me in pain. And you know I don't believe in taking any form of painkillers. But when you go to the doctor, just say, for instance, something happened to your leg, what is the first thing a doctor will tell you?
1: They want you to get pain medication and take it until you finish it. Don't stop taking it until you finish the whole uh, prescription.
0: do you do you yourself take pain medication
1: no i try my best not to take pain medication sometimes you got to learn to live with pain pain is something that you endure if you have endurance in your mind and enduring it you don't have to get medication every time you have pain
0: so do you feel that there should be not only a crackdown this is my belief i feel there should be a crackdown with pharmaceuticals because In my mind, they are the drug kingpin and the doctors are the runners of the drugs. Do you think both, something should be done in both situations to the pharmaceutical company and to the physicians prescribing the drugs?
1: It should be more it should be more visualized and more people stepping up looking into the situation when you get the pain medication pharmaceutical, and then from the doctor prescribing it. Sometimes you can do exercises or you can do different things to help control your pain sometimes instead of just uh, always taking pain medicine.
0: Okay. Did you know, Duane, that 207 million opioid prescriptions were handed out in 2013 while only 76 million were written in 1991 shouldn't it have been something put in place in 1991 why wait till the figures triple
1: well it should have been it should have been stopped I think well not so much stop it should have been better control of it. As you say, the loss they had in 91, the prescription they had in 91 compared to 2000, whatever, it should have been a noted, notified by somebody ever who's in charge of drugs or whatever. Uh, they should have stepped up to the plate and paid attention to how much, how much it had grown over that period of time. So, you know, more, more and more people was taking the, the, the pain medication.
0: All right. There's a perspective from Dwayne. Like I said, his identity had to be changed to protect his position and what he does. So thank you for joining me, Dwayne, on my story, Living with Lupus.
1: You're welcome, and thank you for having me.
0: You know, Americans consume about 80% of the world prescription opioids. And in 2007, prescription opioids were the second most abused drug in America. Along with the increase in opioid usage, the number of emergency room visits and overdose deaths also increased. Now from 2004 to 2008, Emergency room visits related to prescription opioid abuse rose by 105 percent. Additionally, almost 50 percent of all drug related emergency room visits are due to drug abuse, and opioids are the second most commonly abuse drug involved in those visits. You know, the, these increases in usage have culminated in the significant rise of opiate overdoses. Currently, prescription opiates cause about one death every 36 minutes in America. Additionally, in 2010, 57.7% of the 38,329 overdose deaths involved opiates. Today's doctors not only have to contend with fighting opiate addictions, but they also have to contend With preventing opiate overdoses. Now I really want you guys to take this in. What I'm about to say. The explosive growth of opioid sales. Is mainly due to the influence of pharmaceutical companies. Like I've been saying. I call them the kingpin. The drug kingpin the best example of the massive amount of influence um, pharmaceutical companies have in the medical community is the production and marketing of OxyContin. Now, in early 2000, there were allegations within the medical community that companies falsely marketed commonly prescribed opioids, such as Oxycontin, as having a reduced risk of addiction. These companies also marketed their product to physicians by distributing coupons and releasing promotional videos, which falsely claimed an addiction rate of less than 1%. By directly advertising to physicians, these companies were able to dramatically increase their sales even though they knew some of the information they distributed was false. These companies eventually admitted to the false marketing allegation. Purdue Pharmaceuticals had to pay a fine of $634 million for misbranding OxyContin. These companies responded to the allegations by coming up um, stating that OxyContin, which was specifically designed to prevent abuse, however, These lies have also contributed to the opioid epidemic in the same way OxyContin did. Sadly, instead of taking the initiative to try and curb the opioid epidemic, it seems that the pharmaceutical companies have tried to capitalize off of it. You know, Further perpetuating this epidemic is the changing nature of practicing medicine in the U.S. Over the past few years, the medical field has become industrialized and automated, which has resulted in doctors being left with very little agency. The medical expertise of doctors... um, has been a, how can I put this, Um, it has become a a financial motive of hospital administrators and insurance agents, and this has been very detrimental to the health of patients. Due to these changes, doctors are concerned about whether they are meeting the billing quotas set by their employer. It's like an assembly line. As a result, doctors have little time to determine if a patient is abusing opioids and have even less time to assist patients who are abusing opioids. Doctors, I give it to you, have become increasingly overburdened in the past few years and these regulations and quotas have only made matters worse unless the medical field changes doctors will not be able to properly combat this epidemic made gemstone bracelets carries an array of men's and women's bracelets along with a line of lupus awareness and cancer awareness gemstone bracelets you can follow them on Facebook or visit their store at Etsy.com or their website at www.premiobracelets.com That's P-R-E-M-I-O-P-R-A-C-E-L-E-T-S dot com. Henry Long, the author of Positive Energy, 24-7. You can purchase an autographed copy of his motivational book and you can also purchase the e-book version at writepath247.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-P-A-T-H-247.com. You can also follow him on Instagram at right path two four seven you know we also have to look at the <clears throat> excuse me socioeconomic problems and the sociodemographic factors now when it comes to the socioeconomic problems there are multiple factors that determine the levels of substance abuse within um, a society. Educational attainment is strongly related to substance abuse and individuals that are most susceptible to substance abuse are those who have dropped out or disengaged from school. For example, the prevalence of substance abuse among high school dropouts is about 9.3 percent and college dropouts have a prevalence rate of 11.2 percent. This is significantly higher than high school and college graduates who have a substance abuse rate of 7.5 percent and 6.8 percent respectively. Substance abuse is also prevalent among racial minorities, the homeless, and those living in rural areas. Substance abuse is especially problematic for the homeless. Now, on the socio-demographic factors, these factors can also affect the type of treatment given to patients researchers have found that physicians may rely on stereotypes when diagnosing patients with substance use disorder and i can testify to this um me being an african-american female I was in the hospital one time due to lupus attacking my liver. And um, the doctor was doing the rounds. And um, one student who was gun-ho that was doing the rounds with um, the doctor, she persisted that I was an alcoholic. Now, you can look at me because normally alcoholics have a ashy tone to their skin. And I'm sitting up there, I'm stating to the doctor, I don't drink, and the doctor said, well, you know, the ultrasound that we took, or the MRI, I can't remember which one they did, they said that my liver was so scarred that it only appeared to be a liver of an alcoholic, but she said, since I had lupus and lupus attacked my liver and scarred it so bad, one would presume that I was an alcoholic. So the student intern doctor, she persisted to say, are you sure you never drank alcohol in your life and at this point in time I got peeved, and I told her I said listen dear if I say I have never had a drop of alcohol in my life that's what I mean I should know And my sisters were sitting there at the time and they were um, elbowing each other like, oh, she's getting ready to blow. And yes, I did blow. And I told that student right in front of the doctor, just because the color of my skin, don't judge a book by its cover. Every African-American person that you see in this facility is not an alcoholic, has never taken drugs, so don't presume that I am illiterate or that I just don't want to admit if I was an alcoholic. And so my sisters stepped in, and they told the young lady, no, she does not drink. She has never had alcohol in her entire life. No, she does not take drugs. And my oldest sister told the young lady, you're stereotyping. And my sister proceeded to tell her, now I'm getting ready to step in. And so my sister proceeded to tell the young lady my educational background and not to treat every patient that she comes encounter with like they're, lying about what they are doing. Yes, there is a double standard in the medical field when it comes to African-American patients versus white patients. These studies have found that doctors are more likely to diagnose patients with substance use disorder if they are non-white have little to no education, and are of low socioeconomic status. These stereotypes can also apply to referrals and are more likely to be made for patients who are African American or for those who are of low SES socioeconomic status. Furthermore, these stereotypes also extend to the type of treatment programs patients are referred to. Generally, physicians are more likely to refer patients to government-funded treatment programs while wealthier patients are referred to privately-funded treatment programs. Some studies have found that whites are more likely to be referred to self-help groups and blacks are more likely to be referred to inpatient care. These studies show clear discrepancies in diagnosis, referral, and quality of care given to different socio. Demographic groups with the most marginalized groups generally being given the worst treatment. That's why I keep telling you to be your own advocate. Sadly, most of the treatment programs that serve marginalized populations are understaffed and under. Funded. This is mainly due to treatment, treatment programs competing for funding with other agencies that combat drug abuse, such as law enforcement. Simply put, it is hard to see how much money these programs save. Overall, there are multiple factors both individual and social that determine who becomes a drug abuser and the level of care available to a abuser. That's a trip, but it's true. Just because of the color of your skin and it should not be that way is how you Will receive care. Abundant Harvest Aquaponics, planting seeds to grow food and creating opportunities for people and families. You can contact this nonprofit organization at www. Abundant Harvest Aquaponics.org Well, that's it for me. Thank you for joining me for this part one of the opioid epidemic. Join me next Friday for part two, the high rise of opioid use amongst SLE patients. Now, I'll see you Saturday for Inspirational Saturday, but what I want you to do, if you're going to do it for me, please, is to call in and give me your perspective of the opioid epidemic. Once again, I'm your host, Susan Hendricks, and thank you for joining me on my story, Living with Lupus if you would like to appear on an episode of my story living with lupus you can contact us at my story living with lupus at gmail.com also visit us on our instagram page and also our website my story living with lupus